Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, it's Adrian Young. What sparked on the directing bug for you? For me, I've always been into film. And as an artist, I've always sought to use film as an alternative way of really expressing myself. So in, in Black Dynamite, I was the editor of that. But before that, people don't really know, I used to do a lot of documentaries and stuff, just like film festival level documentaries. But I wanted to create a film that represented the depth of the message I was delivering in the American Negro. And that's what Tan is. Did you think writing this album that oh, of course I'm going to add a film to this, or did it not really come until the end of it? No. Uh, when, I was, when I was writing the album, I definitely knew that. Um, I definitely knew I was going to do a film and a podcast because I knew that in order for me to properly get the message across, it would take more than an album because the, the message is so vast. You know, that the message being that no, we're all humans just trying to survive and, and, and live as equal people, you know? It's a, it's a very anti-bigotry message. So I, ha- I had to say it in a way where people would digest it instead of it just being random pontification. You know what I'm saying? So that's why. This album. Like, <laughs> this album yeah. is fucking amazing, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's- Thank you so much. I, I really love what you've done with the jazz elements. You can even hear like old school hardcore in there, like a little bit. Yeah. Were you trying to get as much as you possibly can sonically in this album or did it just kind of happen that way? Uh, I, you know, I, was cre- I created this album as my magnum opus. I want people to look at my catalog and say to themselves that this album is the best. I want them to hear how much power I put behind the sound. I want them to hear how much sagacious detail I put in the message, you know? So when I, when I, when I look at Marvin Gaye's legacy, his most important album is what's going on. And it's not because the melodies are so potent. It's because of the message and the message makes the music even more cavernous, even more deep. So I wanted to create music that had that level of depth for today. Let's get a little deep then. Do you think that artists are doing enough right now? I will say that artists are definitely doing a lot. But as an artist especially during these times of social media. There's a lot of turbulence because everybody has something to say. The problem is that when you're saying something, it's not going to be as poignant if you don't bring the history into it. And so I say that to say that, yes, people are saying things, but you can't just say, 
we got to get rid of institutionalized racism because it's unfair. You have to say, you have to define what it is, show where it came from, and show that we're still living in a world that benefits from the machinations of the slaveocracy that our nation is derivative of. And you could show how these cyclical occurrences are harming us now just like they did back then. So when we are all delivering the same message in a way that educates people, in a way that's poignant, the message is more powerful because it empowers the average citizen with a a base of knowledge that could combat our adversaries, basically. At the base root of knowledge, like even in even in the school systems from <laughs> we, we can go all the way to kindergarten. Do you are you hopeful that change is really happening from those ground roots kind of kind of knowledge based organizations? I'm definitely hopeful, um, and I know it's happening because we are slowly getting better and better. On the album, there's a phrase that says, it says, the paradox of the positive. We've been marching for years, but we haven't moved an inch. And what I meant by that was that we've been doing so much, but we're still in the same place. But even though we're still in the same place, it doesn't mean that we're not slightly moving forward. We are moving forward a little bit, you know, maybe not an inch, but we're still moving forward a little bit, right? And Perfect example is us dealing with four years of Trump really exposed the brazenness and the nefarious system that has been in place for years that treats people of color and immigrants like second-class people. And younger children have been educated to to be able to see this to the point where there's TikTok videos or Instagram videos that are going viral about 12-year-olds and 13-year-old, you know, white boys and girls schooling their parents on what is and what isn't racism in such a poignant fashion. We didn't see that to the same degree generations ago. So our new leaders are going to have, they're going to carry that sentiment. And if, like I said, if you look at history, things just get better and better and better slowly, but at least it's getting better and better. The uprising in the streets, does this seem a little bit different to you this time? Does it, I know that you're hopeful, but even even now that Trump is out of office, do you think that the regular people are pushing enough? Do you see policy changes coming at coming at a quicker speed than maybe it has in any generation past? Something that I speak on in my Invisible Blackness podcast is the the notion of the deferred commitment. Something I call the deferred commitment. First of all, the commitment. It took a while for America to commit to rectifying 
the injustices that people of a darker hue have felt in America, injustices that are derivative of our institution. But there's been a deferred com commitment to rectifying these injustices, a protracted way of saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, we know there's problems, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. So the government is definitely making policies to fix things. It's just not fast enough. And there's a lot more that, that can be done. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you kind of accept it, but you still fight because at the end of the day, you can't live life with a dead soul. At the end of the day, you have to be able to smile and be happy that you're alive, that your children are well, that your parents are well, whatever it may be. You have to be able to live life instead of complain all the time, you know? So it's, it's a balance. Yes, we fight. Yes, we have to continue to spread the word and encourage people to stand up. But at the same time, we have to be able to enjoy our lives every day. It's a balance. I was really excited to see that you're working with Amazon on, on the TAN project because I feel like the, the base root of a lot of the problems in Hollywood, and yes, it's great that we're adding these, these exceptions to try to get more African-American filmmakers, Asian filmmakers, women filmmakers into the Academy and the Golden Globes and all of that kind of thing, but it really is the green lighting level. And those individuals need to change because, I'm sorry, I as a white boy in Canada can coexist with you as an African-American telling a very radical story. And my films are very political as well. I'm also telling very political, very radical stories. But there's, we can coexist in this and that's where the green lighting needs to change. I was happy to see that you were on a level of the Amazon in the way that Shaka King was with his Judas and the Black Messiah coming with um, coming through um, Warner Brothers. Was this a conscious decision on your behalf to try to shake up the system by putting this on that kind of a platform, this kind of radical of a film? Yes, because I'm talking a lot of shit, right? And it, when you have a company that is as big as Amazon, you're talking about a kind of company that has their own internal issues. You know, um, people complain about racial bias on the inside over there. So when you have a company like this that is supporting my message, I really do appreciate that, you know? Um, when it comes to gatekeeping and or green lighting, the institution definitely needs a shakeup because our world is multicultural. It's not seen through the lens of purely white men's decisions, you know? Um, we see the world from a women's side, you know? from a black woman's side, from a white woman's side, an Asian man's side, like all this stuff, you know? So everybody deserves a chance to tell their story, especially when these big conglomerates are in charge of the distribution 
and, and, and creation of our stories on the television or the, the silver screen, you know? So it was definitely a conscious choice. And we'll see what, what else happens, where things go from here. But it's just delightful to know that people are actually going to be able to watch people breaking down racism in, in such a cinematic way. What kinds of filmmakers did you get brought up on? Like, I know that you're a big movie guy, but did this start from what your parents were showing you or were you actively at an early age trying to find these newer, better kind of filmmakers? Um, I've always loved film, you know, but you're not really going to the ill side of film, I feel like, until you really become a teenager and young adult because you start to understand the intelligence behind film. It's not just because this Disney film made you feel good that you watched 10 times, you know? It's about, oh my God, the first time I saw Clockwork Orange, you know, or The Shining, you know? Like, you think about those moments. How did, how did you feel with those moments? And do those films still stand up decades later for you? So for me, it was my journey as a teenager and young adult, you know, watching Kubrick films, Scorsese films, uh, and uh, just ex- expanding my, my depth in film, as my, expanding, my, expanding my vision as far as being able to deliver a message because the creation of art all follows the same rules. You're always trying to get better. And the better you and the more better you get, the more you realize how much further you need to go. And in film, I mean, I've been an editor for a long time. I edited Black Dynamite. But as far as a narrative, I've never written a narrative. I've never directed a narrative, you know. And I've never been a cinematographer on a narrative. So like taking on all those jobs, I wanted to bring in the ethos that I had from my music side into the film side, where I'm paying serious attention to detail and I'm creating something. I always say that I create art for a fake audience in my head. And as long as I keep creating for them, this audience will grow. And then I just hope other people like it. And what happens is that when you start creating for other people, you start losing that audience in your head. And when you try to come back to that audience, it's hard to find them. It's hard to find yourself. So with my art, I create for this audience in my head. And as long as I satisfy them, I did a good job. And that's what I really try to do with this film. Well, and now that you have a film attached to this album, how is this going to look visually when you get to finally go back out on the road? Have you thought about what the live experience of this is going to be? Yeah, I mean, when I was when I started making the album, my plan was to do a full-on theatrical performance, like full-on theatrical. I, I don't want to go into the details because I'm actually looking, considering some offers to do that right now. But like, I'm talking about full-on theatrical experience with the album, with me conducting a full thirty-piece orchestra and all that stuff. So. Um, we'll see what happens. That would be <laughs> that'd be fucking awesome. I'd be excited about that. Can we Thank expect you. any anything more like Ghostface Killer or 
or Adrian Young Presents kind of stuff coming up in the near future? Um, absolutely. But right now, I'm just focused on this, you know. Uh, I'm doing a lot of television and film scoring right now also. But as far as, as far as music for me, the next couple things are from like my Jazz Dead series. Like my Gary, we have a Gary Bartz album coming out. Uh, Brian Jackson album, Joel Donato album. We have a bunch of stuff coming out, but as far as like an Adrian Young, purely Adrian Young thing, I haven't made a firm decision on what that's going to be yet, you know? Um, and there's a part of me that wonders how much more work I need to do on this side with the message. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Do you really like the whole scoring aspect of a film? And <laughs> do, do you essentially find it more more rewarding when you have to try to put music to those visuals instead of essentially just starting from scratch and coming up with your own album? I love scoring. Scoring is a whole another kind of music. I mean, my my fa- at the end of the day, I always say that my favorite music in the world is music for film because your job is to enhance the visual. It's an audiovisual job. And most people don't realize it, but their favorite music is cinematic. You, should, you know, your favorite music, you should be able to close your eyes and see something. So I love that. And before I got into scoring, that was a big dream of mine. So the downside of scoring is that you have a boss and you do things that you like, but you, you have to ensure that they actually dig it as well. Conversely, when you guys are working together and you guys have a similar vision, it's one of the most rewarding things because the music now is a visual component, you know, um, opposed to the visual having a musical component. You know, if you're looking at it from a purely musical standpoint, but also my dream has always been to write, direct, produce my own film and score it. And that's what Tan is. Like, this has been my dream. So, is there, is there another area of the entertainment industry that you kind of want to try out? No. I love, I love, I mean, I love making music uh, and I love, you know, being a filmmaker. There's not much, like, I don't want to, I'm not into singing really or acting, you know? I mean, I love, I love what I'm doing already, you know? Can we expect more directorial stuff from you coming up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just like, to me, what this is, is a proof of concept to show what I can do, you know, um, and I'm already having a bunch of film ideas in my head. The only thing is, is, is that if I'm doing it, it means that there's other things I have to kind of stop doing because I'm so busy and it's just so consuming doing that, you know, so I got to figure out what that's going to be. But I mean, I would love it if every year I'm doing something. We got to just figure it out what the opportunities are, you know? Well, and now trying your hand at narrative and having a documentary kind of background, are you a little bit <laughs> anxious to try to get back into the documentary game and maybe bring some some of that back? Or are you focused mainly on narrative from now on? Focus mainly on narrative. I mean, I still, like right now, I'm doing a piece for Fender right now on black, on like a, like a kind of like a short narrative documentary kind of thing for Fender for just black music and the evolution of black music. So I still get my rocks off with that kind of stuff, you know, but um, 
I'm more into the narrative because like I said, my dream it was always to be able to do my own movie, my own narrative and score it because I could create a world. And in documentary, my world is, you know, to, to, a, to a high degree based on reality. But in a narrative, I could be in my own world. That, and, and, and that changes the kind of music I, I could do. It gives me a whole new level of freedom in creation. So I want to stay on that side. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Adrian. It really means a lot to me. You've, you've made some of my favorite music of, of the last wow. little while. And Tan, wow, and I really hope everybody goes and checks out Tan. It's, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Man, yo, man, thank you for watch. Thank you for what was it an enjoyable watch for you? Like, did you? Did I you like I, it? I loved it. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's definitely the style of film that that I gravitate towards. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to watch. So, right. I love right. it. Oh, dude, that that means a lot to me, man. Thank you very much, Robert. Appreciate it, bro. Th- thank you. All right, bye bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to catch Adrian Young's new and brilliant album, The American Negro. It's available now. Uh, it's it's going to be up there for one of the top albums of the year for sure. His film, Tan, uh, is available now on Amazon Prime. And this concludes our broadcast day.